Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Stephen Brannan. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. The human mind is unique among nature. It can problem-solve in ways that other animals just aren't capable of. No other animals that I'm aware of have built boats or trains or cars or planes. No other animals have laid cables and wires and set up wireless networks to connect the entire world virtually through an internet. No other animals can problem-solve like us. Now, it's true that dolphins and crows and octopuses octopi can solve uh, some pretty tough problems, but the very fact that we're impressed by that proves that we're the exception. I don't believe any of them are very impressed at our accomplishments. But maybe the most amazing thing that our minds can do is to ask ultimate questions, not just to problem-solve at the immediate level, how do I construct this machine to get me from point A to point B, but to extrapolate in our thinking to the next problem up and the next after that, as high as our thinking will carry us, to ultimate problems and questions. Why am I going from point A to point B? Why does anyone go anywhere? Does all our motion and striving have a meaning? What happens when I cease moving? What's beyond this life? I certainly don't uh, get the impression that my cat asks ultimate questions like that. So I think that's just us. Both our epistle and gospel readings today, and actually our office um, uh, office readings, the, the gospel that Matt read just a few moments ago, they point us to ultimate questions. Now, in the context of these writings, the writings that come to us through history from Second Temple Judaism, the time of Jesus and St. Paul, when the Jews were living under Roman occupation in Palestine and worshiping at the temple that King Herod had recently reconstructed, ultimate questions tended to center on the law, God's instruction to his people on how to live. And at that time, different schools of thought uh, regarding the law, different ways of interpreting it, came up with different numbers of commandments which were enumerated um, and derived from the law. But they always numbered in the hundreds. There were a lot. Jesus mentioned in the gospel that was our office reading, um, not one little mark of any of these will pass away. They all mean something. They all are important. But uh, these commandments were uh, famously taken so literally by some lawyers and doctors of the law uh, that they, they reached the point of absurdity and seemed to totally miss the point of the commandments themselves, which is why some doctors and lawyers at the time um, sort of realized that the point of the commandments the reason they were given was an ultimate question that needed asking. This was on the minds of some of the faithful then. And it seemed that inheriting eternal life was the answer that some understood as being the ultimate point of the law, as evidenced by the question the lawyer asked Jesus in today's gospel. The linking of inheriting eternal life with the law is made clear when Jesus asks him, what does the law say about this? How do you interpret it? So the lawyer asked Jesus, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, what does the law say? The lawyer didn't ask Jesus to summarize the law. He asked him how to inherit eternal life. It was Jesus who linked this 
summarizing that is the ultimate thrust of the law with attaining eternal life. And then, this is interesting, the lawyer answered in the exact same way that Jesus has answered on several occasions, boiling down the entirety of the law to its uh, to, well, to two precepts, one coming from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, what's called the Shema. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord with all your mind, heart, soul, strength, etc. And then the second part coming from Leviticus 19, 18, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Was Jesus the first to summarize the law like this, or was this a, a tradition that had already come about, which Jesus simply endorsed? I'm not entirely sure, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the fact that the lawyer is the one who answers uh, in this case seems to indicate that uh, others were saying the same thing. So when the lawyer answered this way, Jesus simply said, yep, that's right, uh, do that, and you got it. But surely there's more to that, thinks the lawyer. The gospel writers indicate that the lawyer's motives were maybe less than honest during this line of questioning with Jesus. He seems to have already known the answer before asking, and he seems to have been prepared with a follow-up question, perhaps intended to either stump Jesus or to sort of reinforce his particular thought process about this. Was he really seeking eternal life or just seeking to reinforce his own sort of academic and legal approach to this interesting question? He was a lawyer, after all. Who is my neighbor? He asked Jesus. One of those delicious technicalities, impossible loopholes that lawyers love to hone in on. Of course, Jesus doesn't answer him with an equally technical response, but with a story, as Jesus was wont to do. One of the most enduring and famous parables ever told. The deep, undeniable lesson of love, compassion that the parable teaches our hearts left the lawyer with an answer that he maybe hadn't anticipated and maybe that he hadn't preferred. But that's the answer he got. Even he had to say it was the one who showed compassion on him. Even this lesson itself proved to be sort of an ultimate question answered. Who is my neighbor? Everyone. But this long diversion of the parable to answer the lawyer's follow-up question is still really in the context of his original question, how to attain eternal life, and Jesus' telling and related question, what is the point of the law? It turns out that the point of the law was actually speaking at that very moment. St. Paul in the epistle reading this morning said as much, the law was only given as a sort of holdover, something to form and help shape the Hebrews and ultimately the tribe of Judah, that is the Jews, until the real thing came. And the real thing is that which was promised to Abraham. All that came through Moses at Sinai, etc., was a stopgap measure. It was intended to bring a people out of the mindset and habits of paganism, to train them to worship the one God, and to get their hearts working in a pattern that would recognize and accept the promise to Abraham when it finally came. And what was that promise? It was the offspring. Not the offsprings, not all the children of Abraham, but the one offspring who was promised. And that offspring is Jesus. Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Those are Jesus' words at the beginning of today's gospel. He's the one who ultimately was to come. He is the ultimate answer. He's the Samaritan 
in the story, actually, who rescues the man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. That is, Adam going down from paradise to Hades, who wasn't rescued by the priest of the Levite, that is, by the law or the prophets, who was placed on the Samaritan's own beast, that is, he was born up by Christ's own incarnate body, who was given salve and wine for his wounds, that is, Christ's own lifeblood was poured into his wounds for his healing, who is entrusted to the care of the inn, that is, to the life of the church, and to the innkeeper, that is, to the apostles and the successors. And that innkeeper is given the two denarii, that is, the two testaments of the old and the new in our scriptures, in order to hold them over. And if those uh, apostles and their successors, the bishops, if the innkeepers, that is, spends anything beyond, that is, if they pour their own interpretation and uh, application into the lives of these people here in the hospital of the church, then Christ, when he returns, will repay them. See, we are Adam. We're the man that's beat up and left for dead in that story, waiting on the ultimate answer to our problem. Jesus is the Samaritan. Blessed are the eyes that were there that day to see him. Finally, the offspring that was promised, who was to come after the law, the law that was just there to train the people to recognize him when he came. But as Jesus tells St. Thomas, blessed are our eyes, who though not seeing, yet still believe and wait in anticipation to see him as he is. The thrust of this theme today, both in our office readings and in our uh, mass lectionary, in our epistle and gospel, is to demonstrate that the entirety of the law, everything that was given to the Hebrews and that shaped them as a people and society and a worshiping body, it was all there summed up in two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your strength and heart and soul, etc., and love your neighbor as yourself. To this day, when we begin Mass on Sundays, Father Michael's here and, and we uh, uh, have our full liturgy, that's how we begin the Mass, with the summary of the law, because before we move into the heavenly worship, we have to know that this is what brought us to this point. This is what all of it was about. And then, what do we do? We read the gospel liturgically, uh, recognizing that Christ is in our presence when we do that. We celebrate the Eucharist, recognizing that Christ is truly there in his body and blood in the bread and the wine of the Eucharist. We are in the presence of Christ, who is the ultimate answer to the summary of the law. What was the law there for? To bring us to Jesus Christ. Christ is the only one, not the Levites or the priests, not the law or the prophets. Only Christ could lift us up, carry us to the hospital, heal our wounds, take care of us until he's returned. That is the ultimate answer to the ultimate question. That's why we gather every week to worship. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.